0: Amen. You may be seated. We will be following up today on the parable that Matthew, our Matthew, uh, spoke about last week. And so if you want, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew, the book, 13, 1 through 9. And then uh, we'll also then be jumping down to verses uh, 18 through 23. Um. The thing that I love about parables, the thing that makes them so fascinating, is the fact that we can approach them from different views. We can approach them from different angles. We can we can hear them over and over and over again, and yet not grow weary of the lessons we can learn from them. And that's amazing from a perspective from ourselves, because we study this. We, we just heard it last week, and now we're going to hear it again. But I guarantee the the points that you're going to hear today are not going to be something you've probably ever have heard before. If you have, someone rip me off. Probably not, but it's a joke. Can we laugh? Uh, no? Okay. Um, if you are able, I do ask that you please stand for the reading of God's word in Matthew 13:1 through 9, and then 18 through 23. All right. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there. While the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen! A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose and was scorched, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Then going down to eight, uh, yes, eighteen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no roots, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, the person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, and the cares of the world and the lures of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is what the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord, and together we say thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father, open our minds and our hearts today to hear your word. May your Holy Spirit come upon us to bring change and renewal, to enlighten us with what you are saying these days through your word and in this parable. It is in your name we pray. Amen. How many of you have never had problems with technology ever? Liar! I was hoping someone would say that. If you've used technology or relied on it in any way, shape, or form, you've had issues with it. It seems like in this world that is driven by tech so much, we have come to accept the fact that then we have issues with technology. And we just say, okay, well, yep, it's another problem. We have to put up with it somehow. And it, it, it's annoying it really is. When you're, you're trying to do something, all suddenly it just doesn't work. Now, for the most part, when you have problems, you go to someone else who is hopefully better equipped than you are to solve the problem. And that's the tech support, which sometimes you might call up a company. You might chat with them or send them an email. But a lot of times, it's family members who become the tech supports. I know for myself... I am that person. I'm the one people call when they have no clue what's going on with their computer or printer or phone or anything else. And it's rare, if not impossible, for me to visit either side of my family, my biological family or my in-laws, and not have someone ask me about something to do with technology. It's rare because, well, there's a lot that's going on and they know that I'm one who can fix it. But I don't mind that. I really don't. I I enjoy helping people fix problems. It's something that it it gives me a sense of accomplishment. And I know that because we do have such issues with technology, being able to offer that to others is a blessing. And so I don't mind that. Especially my mom, who is my my number one customer. I, I love my mother, but there's times where she'll even call me up on the phone and say, This isn't working. So I start working through the steps with her, and it works perfectly. Those are the times that she really hates me because she says, why, I did the same exact thing you just said, but because I called you, it worked. Well, I don't know what to tell you. And really, I, I see it as a way to pay her back for all the years she had to put up with me and my shenanigans. So uh, I don't charge her, nor do I charge anyone, really. <laughs> I, I could, but I don't. Um, but the key that I have learned with providing support for others is to perform the proper troubleshooting. The proper troubleshooting. And just as we run into problems with technology, and we then need to troubleshoot it, we can, as a church, run into these same kind of problems when we proclaim the gospel. Now, here's one helpful hint. I'm giving you this one real early because you need to understand. There will never be a problem with the message of the gospel. If you are troubleshooting an issue of telling someone about Christ, never assume it's because the gospel has something wrong with it. The message of God's word is always true, always accurate, and it is never the problem. Now, a problem might be the way in which we are saying it. You know, if we're telling someone to love Jesus as we beat them over the head, that might be miscommunicating some of the things that we're trying to tell them. But the message itself is never wrong. But what we're going to focus on today is troubleshooting on the part of those who hear the gospel. When we are talking to someone about God, what happens when something goes wrong? As we already know, the gospel is heard by so many people in all the different stages of their relationship with God. Some who have no clue who God is, some who have a bad idea of who God is, and some who just barely have begun to appreciate who God is. And so this means that we have to be flexible in how we address these problems, and we have to be able to troubleshoot them. Now, this is a bit more complicated than just like a phone where you can turn it on and off. You know, that's always the first thing. Turn it on and off. Unplug it. Plug it back in. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But what is so amazing is that Christ gives us here an outline of three different steps in which to troubleshoot this issue. And so today, you all are going to get certified in the Gospel Proclamation Verification Program, which is a completely made-up program I just made up now. To help you as you proclaim the Word of God, as you go out to make Christ like disciples and you run into issues, this is what you do when those problems occur. First and foremost, uh, have have you done the work? Have you prepared the soil? Any good troubleshooting program begins with the most basic problem. And Christ does the same here soil that has not been prepared cannot be expected to produce a crop. Plain and simple. If you don't put in the work, nothing's going to come out of it. I can take a handful of beans and peas and corn and throw it on the sidewalk. It's not going to do anything. I can throw it in the grass. Something might happen, but more likely not squirrels and birds are going to come and eat it. That's all that's going to happen. In the same way, when, when we as Christians go out to someone and we just start telling about Christ, but we haven't done any of the legwork. We haven't prepared the soil, we shouldn't be surprised then if the word of God doesn't do anything in their lives, doesn't form a plant. So when you have this problem going, ask yourself, have, have I done the hard work? Have I, have I tried to build a relationship with this person? Have I tried to actually talk with them, to share in their hurts and their pains, to hear their stories have I taken time to show that I, I'm genuinely invested in their lives, not just in putting a notch on my belt because I made another person say, I believe in God, because there's a difference. And this is one of the reasons why, me personally, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of what is called random evangelism. The, the, the people who randomly go up to strangers on the street, you know, they have their little soapbox, they stand up and say, repent and, and believe and, and you need Christ because they're just randomly throwing seeds out there. And they haven't done any of the work to care for the soil, to build those relationships, to show genuine interest in the people's lives. And so 99.9% of the time, it does absolutely nothing to actually cause that plant to grow. Now, once you have the soil prepared, one of the big things is you have to make sure that you uh, clean it out a bit, right? We're, We're all in the country. We're all from the country. It shouldn't be a surprise if we drive through and we see a farm field with a corner of it that has a whole bunch of rocks. Right? You've seen that before. A whole bunch of rocks just piled up at the corner of a field. It's, it's no coincidence that those rocks are there. Farmers don't want rocks in their field because rocks prevent plants from growing. In perspective of the little roots that begin in each plant, a rock is like a huge boulder. Even a pebble is one that can stop a plant from going deeper to get water, and to build a foundation that it needs. And so, in order to have plants grow up properly, you need to remove all the stones, all the rocks, all the pebbles from the ground to protect the plants from being, well, shallow and not having the foundation and the life that it needs. This we see in Jesus' parable with the plant that comes up real quick of the rocks, but then as soon as the sun comes, it, it scorches and goes away. Rocks prevent roots from being, establishing, being able to establish a strong foundation within our lives. And these rocks, they can look like a lot of things. Self-sufficiency, lack of discipline, isolation, busy schedules, desires, and some of these rocks can even be placed there by ourselves. Imagine that. The times we tell people that when you receive Christ, your life is going to turn to all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns and everyone's going to be happy and it's going, you're just going to frolic around. You're shaking your head because you understand that's not how it works. Yes, when Christ comes into our lives, our perspective changes and we're able to have joy in the midst of problems, but it doesn't remove the problems. That is something entirely different. But we tell people, when you accept Christ, everything's going to be good. All your problems will be taken away. And that puts a big boulder in their life, because as soon as that first thing happens that isn't good, they lose faith. Or what about this one? The rock of personal religion. Oh, don't worry about others. It's only about your relationship with God. You only be concerned about you as long as you believe something and I believe something. Hey, it's okay. We only have to make sure that we ourselves are square with God. That rock prevents people from building the community that is the body of Christ. You want to know the best way that plants grow is to have a support system, a root system that helps encourage them to go deeper, to find that life-giving water. And within the church, if we tell everyone, you don't need other people, you just need to be square with God, we are putting a boulder in their place, telling them, you don't need to be with us, you just need to believe something, and then you're good. And then when troubles hit, they have no one to turn to. They have no one to help them. They have no support because they're all by themselves. Church, we need to be careful to inspect the soil for any rocks. No matter how small they are, they can keep the seeds of God's word from developing a strong root system. Community is the foundation of these young plants, they thrive by being able to get that, that water. But rocks can keep them from receiving it, from going deep enough that they can actually hold on when problems do come up. The final troubleshooting step is easily the most painstaking and the most difficult, at least for myself. Every gardener knows that the effort and energy it takes to tend the soil, to keep the weeds out, to keep troublesome plants away. It takes time and work, but if you do it, the plants can thrive. Leaving the soil unattended will cause these seeds to be choked out of their life. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm a lazy gardener. I am such a lazy gardener. One year I even tried to do it because I saw that if you planted a whole bunch of clovers, you could basically then just move the clovers aside, plant the seeds, and it would grow. And I tried that because I, I just I didn't want to deal with pulling weeds. That didn't work, by the way. Clovers are great, but you, I have not had success with that. There, there's nothing that substitutes good old hard work of pulling the weeds, maintaining the soil And I love how Christ is so direct about this one. He says, but the cares of the world, the lures of wealth, they choke out the word. So how then do we prevent these weeds from growing up? First, with proper teaching. Telling people that, hey, it's not okay to be isolated by yourself. It's not okay to just believe that your relationship is just between you and God. It's also with you, God, and his church. Then we care for others, actually, you know, like helping each other. It's an amazing concept about how we care for the needs of brothers and sisters and by building solid relationships. It's the follow-through that is the most tiring of all of this. Everything hinges upon whether or not we follow through with all the work we've done thus far. We could prepare the soil, We can get all the rocks out, but if we don't keep the weeds out, the plants still die. And so walk with people. Walk with them in their struggles as they shift from their lives being focused on the world to being focused on God. Help them. Because it's like helping a drug addict breaking from their addiction. And I I mean that analogy very seriously. Because the things of the world... Are addicting. And it's hard to move our attention away from the world to be focused on Christ. And so it takes the work, it takes that relationship to help them break free. It also means that as a church, we bear the responsibility for helping meet the needs of other people. Why do you think the early church was so diligent about sharing their resources? bringing all the food together, all the money together, bringing all that stuff so that they could redistribute it to others. It wasn't because they were trying to form some socialist, communist sort of life already. It's because they knew that the lures of this world, the lures of wealth, the the not having what I need to survive can make people turn away from God. And so they said, in much as we can, we bring everything together so that everyone has what they need so that they don't have to focus on food for survival. They don't have to focus on clothes for survival or shelter so they can focus on what is more important, which is God. The only God, though, in all of this here, only God can make the seeds grow. But we can help provide soil that's ready for that growth. We cannot believe that this is only upon us to make Christians. It's not just our job. It's only minutely our job. We just do some of the the side work. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes in and changes people's hearts, that speaks to them, challenges them, helps that seed to actually grow. And we cannot mistake our work for the work of God, okay? Because that's arrogance, to, to assume that if we do all of this, we 're going to make the seeds grow, we 're going to make Christians. No, it still means we might not. It still means that you might not have a harvest, but we do the work, regardless. And we trust the Holy Spirit to do His work. We still prepare the soil, remove the rocks, take out the weeds. And when we do all these steps, and God's word is able to go into these people's lives, it grows to a harvest that is 30, or 60, or 100 times. And we call that a blessing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us this day to examine our lives, to understand that we have this soil all around us. Our neighbors, our co-workers, the people at the grocery store, the people at the restaurant, even within our own house, we have these people. Help us to see the problems that arise. That As we talk to them about God, if, if it falls on deaf ears, Lord, may we continue to do the work of preparing the soil. And if we, we tell them about you, and and, and they just are seeming to not get it, seeming to be blocked by it or be discouraged by it, may we look for those boulders that are keeping them from going deeper in you. And if we see someone being choked out by the cares of this world, may we intervene to kill that weed so that your word might grow and bring about a harvest within our lives. Help us, God, to not grow weary of the work that you've called us to do. Help us not see it as a chore, but to see it as an honor and a privilege to prepare the ground for your spirit to work. As we close this morning, I encourage you to turn your hands Towards heaven to receive the blessing of the benediction. O God of mercy, in Christ Jesus, you freed us from sin and death, and your Holy Spirit, and, and by your Holy Spirit, you nourish our mortal bodies with life. Plant us now in good soil that our lives may flower in righteousness and peace. Amen. I now send you out into your community to make Christ-like disciples. Go in the grace of God. God bless you.